All right, we're back. Excellent. Another installment. Poor Adrian is dealing with allergies. Oh my gosh. Nature's trying to kill me. Gosh. That's the one thing that I hate about Austin. Is the the yearly allergy hit. Like you're clogged up. Yeah, it's terrible. Spring is the worst. You walk out of the house, you look out the window and everything looks green and beautiful and lush and alive. Then you open the door and you walk outside and your throat itches, your eyes start closing up. You like <laughs> your one of your nostrils stops working, <laughs> like the other nostril stops working. And all the while you're looking out, it looks beautiful, yeah. but you, you can't breathe. Yeah. Like, eh, okay. And what's worse, if you travel with that, have you ever been on the airplane and gotten like the, the pressure earache? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because of allergies here? I've had that happen twice in the past like year and a half and it sucks. The last two days, my sinus stuff has been so bad that, that, um, I couldn't hear very well. Cause that like all this stuff oh. in my ears, you know, the station tube, all that junk yep. and I'm waiting and I'm like tapping the side of my head, waiting for it to like pop or something it's just man and i think this is this year's been the worst i think we for you yeah for me i think we when i first moved to austin i didn't have any allergy problems until year seven Mm. year seven it all started and it's like it had been calm for a long time but this year oh man i don't know what happened two weeks ago it just started getting bad i woke up sunday morning um and you know we we had church and stuff right so i wake up at like five in the morning or 4 30 sunday morning and i start talking and i sounded you know i sounded like i was going through puberty my throat was just that was crazy oh my gosh yeah i um i remember when i first moved to austin uh i i used to wear contacts every day and uh i worked for for the state agency for a little bit and my eyes used to like, I don't know, like there's the inside of your eye has like a film that like if if something's trying to hurt it, it'll protect itself. I don't know what it's called. Well, that little piece of skin would start to like rise up and then having contacts and then. What are you, what are you talking about right now? Because what you're describing makes me think of like those when they show. Dogs. <laughs> on Nat Geo, they show like the <laughs> crocodiles and the frogs with the little thing. Yeah. Dude, I don't have that. You have that? Yeah, well. <laughs> I'm Must be an alien. I, I, don't, I, don't. <laughs> I know that, what you're talking about. There's like a, a film. Is that a thing from Mexico that happens when uh, you know, I'm just kidding? I, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I uh yeah, I guess I have alligator skin eyes. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I'm picturing those frogs licking their eyeballs. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, so um anything that's on your heart today? Just what I've shared, you know, we talked about it I think this morning. God just keeps saying, Cling to me. He impressed that on my heart at the beginning of the year. And with every passing week, there's been a different reason, you know, or a different trigger to remind me of that um but there's there's 
something every day where it's like God's just saying, cling to me, cling to me. And I'm being very intentional. You know, when I pray, I'm trying to do that. Um, cling to him in all things. And uh, that just seems to be kind of the the theme that I think God has, has been putting on my heart. And what I'm finding is I'm talking to other folks, other friends, and I have friends that are that are going through difficult things. And I've, when they tell me, in the back of my mind, I hear, cling to me. So I'm sharing that with them also. And I, I kind of feel like that's something God impressed on my heart, but I think maybe it's something he's, he's impressed on a lot of people, you know, for this particular year or season, you know, for whatever reason. Um, but just cling to me cling to me over and over. Um, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but it's those, when we're, when things are going great, when we're on the mountain, it's those things that we do (laughs) when we're on the mountaintop that cause us to stumble into the valleys. And when we're in the valleys, it's those things that we do in the valley Mm. that take us back to the mountaintop. So, you know, if something's going good for a given day, it's like acknowledge God and everything. Okay, it's going good. Yes, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for all that you're doing. Help me to hear your voice. Guide my every step in, in these great things that are happening. In whatever happened today, whatever is good, um, God, help me to to celebrate that and walk that out with you. No matter if it's professional, it's personal, um, physical, or relational, whatever. Like God saying, include me in every part, you know, every part of your life. Um, and the same thing, if if it's really, really difficult, and I'm in a valley, um, he's saying, include me there too. There's a, what's that? There's a song that we do. Um I think it's a an elevation or a Brandon Lake song. Oh yeah, because the God of the Mountain. It, what, what's that song? Uh, Graves into Gardens. Oh, yeah. Because the God of the Mountain is the God of the Valley. Mm-hmm. There's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again. So that sentiment, like just clinging to Him in every situation, every circumstance. You know, there's two things that I, two thoughts I thought about as you're sharing that. Um, I wrote this down, which is we're not meant to, to be alone. We're not meant to do life alone. And I think a lot of times from my perspective, kind of my opinion, a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll think that I need people and, and not every moment requires someone to be present because God himself is that. And so that, that the message that I heard through what you just said is clinging to him is us not being alone. And that guidance that he gives us in, in imparting that wisdom in that season, um, I think with that thought of clinging to him, like I think it's just giving that hope and safety that we're not walking by ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's great because, you know, from that, the fruit that, that, 
you bear from that is relationship, walking with people in, in their difficulty, um, being, a, you know, a lending ear to somebody, whatever it is. And, uh, and that also ties into, uh, Stu, a few breakfasts ago, had mentioned, um, I wrote it down because I loved what he said, and I was like, oh, dude, this is such a cool, cool thing. It's not like anything new, but he said, see where God is working and join him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was... There's something about the human heart or the human spirit that always wants to blaze a trail. Yeah. Like, we want to we wanna discover something. We want to break new ground. We want to... And, and I think part of that's maybe rooted in pride or this sense of uh, um, self-sufficiency and, you know, it, I think some of it's just rooted in pride. Mm. And often, most often, if not always, God's like, oh, you want to you wanna follow me and you want to serve? Well, you, you see there's stuff going on in ministry over there. You don't, I'm not calling you to, to plant a church. Yeah. I'm calling you to serve in one that's already been planted. Mm, that's good. But that requires humility. That requires a, a willingness to follow. Yeah. <laughs> that requires, you know, cultivating a relationship and trust and, and uh, not being the lead, you know, of that thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. I remember... He said it, and I had heard it once before. It's like, find what he's doing. Um, I can't remember. There was this quote I heard a long time ago. A, a friend of mine recommended a book, and it was actually my friend Rodney, Rodney and Carol. When we were first started um, serving in worship ministry, um, I was running sound, and Paula was running lyrics. Mm-hmm. And we started serving at this church, and this is, I mean, almost, I think, 20 years ago and uh, we started serving in the booth because we were really shy, introverted, didn't want to interact with people. The booth was in the back of the church. Yeah. So we started serving back there. And I didn't know anything about sound. Paula didn't know anything about lyrics. But there's this couple, and they were probably in their 50s. And um, so I did that for three years. And I remember Rodney, they were, man, they were so humble. Like they modeled being a servant so well, he recommended this book called uh, Serving in Obscurity. And I remember, I think it was in this book, he said the something in the book said something to the effect of um, the human spirit or the soul, it cries out when we serve, or yeah, it, it grumbles when we serve, but it screams when we serve in obscurity. Because it's like, it wants that recognition. <laughs> it's like, okay. It's heavy. And I remember just thinking, you know, it, it, there's, there's levels. There's two yeah. different levels there. Serving, and you feel the grumbling. Is that, yeah, but I'm serving. But then when you're, when you're serving and nobody sees it, mm. then if we're not careful, like that humanness, that, mm-hmm. that human nature of, uh, they only knew if they saw all the stuff I'm doing, I'm doing this, I'm here when nobody else is here, I'm doing these things that nobody else wants to do. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, 
that the, the human our humanness kind of lashes out. Yeah, like wants recognition, wants 100%. wants you know the the applause and the praise of people. And then you know, serving in tech, it's really easy to fade into the shadows, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because you got a lot of people that are you know gifted with audio visuals. Um, presentation and you you know at, in that role you don't typically get uh, praised often and uh, and if you have church hurt mm-hmm. um, and you do something like that it's only going to add to the fire if you don't let go and forgive and and serve with a humble heart yeah, that's, there's a lot of ministries where you serve behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Tech is one of those, Yeah, you know, sound and tech. It's one of those where often the only recognition you get is negative recognition. Yeah. Um, did Too we loud. not get a slide up fast enough? Did we not have something you wanted to see? Um, is the mix wrong? Back in the old days, oh, my monitor mixes off, or does something sound bad? Is there feedback? Um, all of those things. When something goes wrong, you know, everybody turns around. Okay, what what did the the tech guys do? Yep. And meanwhile, you know the the worship team, the people singing and playing up at the front, you know, getting praise like, oh, that was so great, that was so good, or whatever, you know, and. Yeah, that's a very, that's a very real dynamic. Mm-hmm. So how do we love, you know, how do we get over that? I think one way is just, you just love on everybody. Yeah. I remember we were talking about this with Stu this morning. Well, one thing is, it's not two teams. Mm-hmm. Like in my mind, it's always a worship team. And there's a tech part and there's musicians and the singers. and But it's one team. Yeah. And working hard to... uh to cultivate relationships among everybody on the team. I think that's one thing that helps there because if there's, again, hats off to Ross, the method and measure of spiritual maturity is relationship. Yeah. Like, yeah. And those relationships, we need to work on the relational connections and the relational fabric of everybody on the team as much as we can. You can't force that. Mm-hmm. But I think if, you know, I think it's, it's God's heart because when his word says you will know them by their love, that to me says, hey, if I look if I look at a team, if I look at a worship team, and that that's all of them. Yeah. Tech, musicians, singers, whatever. Um, I think you should be able to look at any team and say, Man, that looks like a team that that loves each other. Yeah. They look like a team that that pray with and for each other. And what do we need to do? You know, if we're part of those teams, what do we need to do to cultivate that? Because I think that's what um, that's what mitigates those unhealthy heart postures. Like you were describing before, it's like, oh, I'm serving back here. And, you know, people are only, they only notice when, when things are wrong. But I think if there's those relationships and we're encouraging and supporting, that's what puts, keeps that in check. Right. You know? Yeah. And just loving and appreciating every single person on the team. We hear me tell the team all the time. It's like, 
you are more important than anything you bring to the table. Yeah. It's true. You want to know how I even know that's true? <clears throat> Not just because I experience it. <clears throat> but my kids, like, they, they love being around the worship team. <clears throat> and, and, like, you know, I, I remember one time I think Owen or Briley asked me, why do you go to church so much? And I'm like, well, you know, I got to get ready for the weekend. So Thursday, you know, is rehearsal days. And, and like, why do you rehearse? And I'm like, well, just so that we can get all the, all the technical issues out of the way and the band can practice together and, and we hang out with each other. And, um, and, you know, as kids do, but why, 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 you know, they want to know the deeper meaning or I, I think at that moment, I didn't even give them what they wanted Bottomless to pit of why. Gosh, yes. Uh, but they see it, like my kids see it, being around it. And, um, but one of the things that I'm thinking about right now is I got to be careful to make sure that my kids don't grow up thinking that this is theatrics. Because, you know, Briley, she talks about wanting to be a superstar one day. She has the same, she is me. I love that Stu called it out at, at breakfast this morning about him and his daughter. She's me in a skirt. She, my daughter is me in a skirt. I mean, she, I remember as a kid, I used to tell my parents, I'm going to be famous one day. I'm going to go and travel the world and play all over the world. And that's her. She's like, I want to, I want to be a singer. I want to be on stage. And, um, and I want to encourage that creativity in her. <laughs> but also as a parent, it scares the hell out of me. Cause I'm like, I don't want her to think the goal is fame. And then being around the worship team and seeing me play keys on stage and then being in the back doing audio. I've, you know, I don't, I don't think I've ever led with the heart of pride in that moment. Uh, but I got to be careful with that because they're watching that they see everything and there's a potential for them to think that, well, this is an opportunity for me to practice being on a stage so I can go and be the superstar somewhere else. Hmm. Yeah, so true. And something happens to the human heart when you put us on a platform. Oh, dude. Put us on a platform and put some lights on us. Yeah. And if, if you have, if you have like a shred of talent yeah. and then people start praising you and complimenting you, it's like, if your heart's not guarded, mm. stuff starts growing in there that shouldn't be growing in there. Um, and that just happens. Like, if you're not actively cultivating a healthy heart posture and um, actively clinging to him and focusing on the main things, you know, the, the important things, um, the platform, any platform, yep. any position of leadership or influence, it can corrupt character. Um so like whenever we have kids, you know, younger people serve with us. I've, I've talked to you and I've talked to the team. And whenever we had, you know, a couple of younger kids, we have a talk as a team and say, hey, look, they're coming up here, but we really need to pour into them. And we need to be very aware of their spiritual development more than the development of their, of their talents. And it's, it's tricky because when you see somebody that, that has a talent, um, that doesn't necessarily, in fact, if they're younger, most often they don't have 
the the maturity or the, the shoulders to carry that, to carry all the, the stuff that comes with that ability, that talent, that charisma, that gifting or whatever it is. So part of our role is how, what, what do we pour into them? And I think one of the most effective ways to pour into them is, is modeling it. Yeah. Oh, man, there was something I was thinking this morning, kind of an offshoot but kind of related. I had a thought this morning that we need to stop telling people who we are and start showing them. That's good. You you said something like that last week, and it's it was super powerful, uh, and I can't even remember what it was. But anyways, go with your thought. Sorry. Well, it came from a... There have been a couple of thoughts, and they, they came out of something I read where um, somebody was talking about quoting scripture, and I've never been good with addresses. I dive into the Word, and I seek Him, and maybe it's just a mental block or lack of a certain type of discipline. There's scriptures that I know that I've memorized, but it's always been a struggle for me. Um, so I'm reading this thing. So that's the backdrop. So I'm reading this book, and I can't remember which book it was, but it said something to the effect of, um, so for those people that know scripture 10 times better than you, do they love 10 times better? And that really hit me. So that turned into, you know, that spawned off a lot of other thoughts. That spawned into a conversation I think I had with with Darren. We were talking about um, how we how we behave. And I remember what I said to him. I think we shared may have shared it with you too. Was I want to be the the type of person who when when I quote scripture to somebody um, that doesn't know I'm a believer. I want to be the type of person who when they quote scripture. It doesn't come as a surprise to the other person. You said that this morning at breakfast. That's so good. You know, it's like, yeah. I, I feel like we, we should be living scripture um, more than we should be quoting it. Yeah. And that's not to belittle scripture. In fact, that, I think that's more honoring of scripture. That's what Jesus did. If, if we know it really well but don't live it, I would much rather, you know, grasp... <laughs> less of it but actually live it yeah. then no more of it and not live it yeah there's some stuff in corinthians i think where paul talks about uh how knowledge puffs up it's like man you know a lot of stuff but if it's not if we're not allowing it to change our character and our behavior then i think it feeds our our pride that reminds me of james 1 22 do what god's teaching says just don't just listen and do nothing when you only sit and listen, you're fooling yourselves. Hearing God's teaching and doing nothing is like no, like looking at your face in the mirror and doing nothing about what you saw. You go away and immediately forget how bad you looked. But when you look into God's perfect law that sets people free, pay attention to it. If you do what it says, you will have God's blessing. Never just listen to his teaching and forget what you heard. It's what you're talking about. I mean, it's, you know, I think about uh, the the Pharisees. I don't want to be known as a Pharisee. I don't want to be known as a hypocrite um, because I lacked living out the gospel. And I think about, honestly, I think this is why, you know, earlier when I mentioned we're not meant to be alone, I think that's why we need community. We got to be able to test that. Yeah, do you have, do you have people close to you saying, hey, um, you're talking a good game. 
but you're still being a jerk. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we need that. And so we have people close to us, you know, close enough to us, just, you know, to call us out on that. Or do we have people close enough to us that recognize when something's off? Like, yeah, man, you're, you're, you're putting up the act really, really good, but something's not right. And I think that takes, uh, it takes time to cultivate those relationships with people um, to where they know you in such a way where, like, oh, yeah, something's off. Yeah. And not, not to be invasive, like, but somebody that's close enough to, to just say, hey, something's off. And sometimes you just say that to somebody and you let it set. Yeah. And I think sometimes that's how the Holy Spirit works. When God brings people into our lives... He'll bring someone into our lives to, to, to call us out on stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think we, and it's, uh, it's nuanced too, because it doesn't mean that every person around us, you know, they say something and like we're, we're like this punching bag that everybody says something and we're, we're just beat up over it. No, there's some discernment there too. Like, all right. But I think, when the Holy Spirit's working, I think it resonates in a way that we know, like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they just said, yeah, that. They just said something that I that God's already been, you know, working on in me. Yeah, vulnerability is needed in relationship because without it, it's it'll, it quickly becomes offense. Hmm. I think about you know, just in, in previous relationships where there's a lack of trust and though my intentions were good and I'm not even just talking about dating, I'm talking about like friendships and stuff where the individual felt like it was, I was condemning them and I wasn't trying to. It was really coming from just a posture of like, hey, like I care for you. You're messing up, you know, um, I got a buddy who had cheated on his wife multiple times and was having dinner with this guy and he uh, was kind of laughing about it. And I was kind of taken back and I was like, what, what about that is it's funny? And, uh, and he was like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I'm just trying to get a, some context on like, where's the disconnect on where you think that is okay. And, uh, and I'm like, dude, I love you, mm. but you messing around is not okay. Like you took those vows for a reason. You commit to that. Mm-hmm. And as deep of hurt that you may have, I want to walk with you in this. Right. Um, and even me saying it out loud, like I can hear how mm. aggressive that can be to somebody. Cause if they told me that, especially when I'm in this moment of like, yeah, you know, pleasure. Uh, it's confrontational. Yeah, and I'm and I'm very confrontational, y'all. <laughs> yeah, I am. But yeah, it is. There's a difference though between every every situation's unique. Like every relationship, we we learn, or we should learn, um, to trust others and to speak into others. But I think 
we have to gauge like where is, is this relationship at that point? Then we have to exercise wisdom. Um, and then we're walking with someone that believes or, or even doesn't believe. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will call us to say something. We have to say it. But I think there's a difference between um, just being confrontational for confrontational sake yeah. and being willing to walk with someone because you love them and care about them. Yeah. I think, you know, I think many have experienced being on the receiving end of those who are willing to confront, oh, but you're doing this and you need to address this sin in your life and you need to do this and take care of this and this is wrong and this is wrong. And because uh, there are people out there who are willing to confront but not willing to walk. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. There's a difference. Yeah. Because if if all you do is confront but you don't walk, you're just throwing rocks, man. Oof. All you're doing is throwing rocks. Yeah, that's good. You want to you wanna bless somebody? Walk with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. If you feel the Spirit's telling you to say that to that person, go ahead and say it. But be willing to walk with them. Be willing to pray with them. Be willing to cry with them. Be willing to hope with them for something better. Be willing to, to, to go through that process of, of trying to get better. Yeah. Because if all you're doing is walking around throwing rocks, man, that's not helping anybody. No. No. I, I think about that situation... Well, what's that verse? We, we said it. Um, it's your kindness that draws us to repentance. I don't hear anything about rocks. Yeah. I mean, well, what happened when uh, uh, the Pharisees wanted to throw rocks? What, what was Jesus doing? Oh, yeah. Sitting in the sand. Just <laughs> Imagine seeing Jesus just playing in the sand and then just like stepping up and being like, but you know, it's. I think we do it because it's easy. Oh, and of we're course. lazy. Yeah, it's easy to read something and look at somebody and say, "Oh, they're sinning. They're doing this. They're doing this." I'm gonna go. You know, I'm gonna go give them give them some advice. <laughs> give them some advice. <laughs> give them some. They need some advice. <laughs> yeah. Um, they need you to model some advice for them. Yeah. Not speak it to them. Now, if you're willing to speak it and model it and walk with them. That's different, but I think too often, um, we're too often we're just throwing rocks, man. So there's right now what I'm thinking. If you're Latino, you probably resonate with this. <laughs> if you're not, here's a moment to learn. I'm already bracing. Yeah, I don't well, even know. I I just think about like Latin families are so confrontational. And they're quick to just be like, we've talked about this. I told you, you should not have done. I told your, go, you know what? Go do it again. Uh-huh. And then go do it again and watch what happens. Yes. <laughs> uh, or it's, you know, the, you know, you're, you're messing, whatever. I mean, it could be anything, but, you know, that's just Latin culture, very, you know, in your face. And I'll tell you what's on my mind and you deal with it. Yeah. That's really unhealthy. You know, there's, there's, and I get why a lot of Latinos have that behavior, um, but it's an old school thing that I think the, 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 the ability to have confrontation is great, but, but the way it's communicated in Latin families is, I would say for the most part, pretty, pretty wrong. And I'm going to say it. <laughs> 
You can be pissed at me and email me or whatever, but it's true. I'm tugging on something right now. Uh, <laughs> so many memories. <laughs> so many memories. Anda, mi hijito, si quieres ir, anda. Hazlo, haz lo que quieres y ver lo que te va a pasar. Like that, that mentality of, yeah, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do what you want to do and watch what happens. And it's almost like a, a threat. Yeah. And it's almost like trying to, um, the attitude is, is almost like the heart behind it is to want to protect, yes. but the execution is trying to, to control with fear. Bomb just blew. That's, a, that's exactly what it is. That overprotection to control. Oof. And then there's the unhealthy when something bad does happen. The condemnation? Yeah. Then there's a, it's like, I told you. Hey, what did I tell you what happened? Dude. And then the sarcasm. Go do it again. Yeah. It's, I, think, I think most cultures probably, I think this is a human trait. Most cultures have a variation of something like this. Yeah, I agree. Um, in our Latin culture, you know, we, we, it's expressed one way, but I think that's just, it's just the human heart. Oh, yeah. My African friends and my Haitian friends, they relate closely to the Latino like, way of life or the way that we grew up because they're like, oh, you guys went through that? Oh, we went through that, you know? Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think it is. It's very much, there's, there's, a, there's a form of it in every single culture. Uh, yeah. A lot there, though. A lot to unpack on that one. Yeah, again, it's so much, so much comes back to relationships. When we're walking with yes. friends, I think we were, we were listening to, to Tim Ross. Um, when you see your friend doing something oh, yeah. that you know is unhealthy and uh, you want to help them mm. and you've talked to them about it, they don't listen. And, and you see them making decisions that are going to result in a lot of pain for them and others. And you feel helpless and you feel a little anxious because you don't want them to go through that pain. So you want to speak into them. But at a certain point, I love the way he puts it, you have to be willing to let them go and watch them run into the wall in slow motion. Yeah. And then be ready to pick up the pieces. Yeah. Yeah, I love his response after they hit the wall. Yeah. Oh, did your airbag you know, deploy? Are you <laughs> okay? Airbag, yeah. yeah, I love the way he, he, he painted that picture. And that's hard. That is hard to surrender because... Like when you're in you, when you're in deep relationship, it, you you want to protect your friends, you want to protect your family, you want to protect your you know your kids, your spouse. But they all have their own desires and flesh. That well, let me flip it. We all have our own desires and our flesh. Thank you for that. Yes, we all. I am. Like me too. Captain me too. That. And they're like, and this is why I need Jesus yeah. every single day. Thank you, Jesus. Because when somebody tells me something, I'm like, no, 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 I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing, like it's easy for us to project it, but I think, I'm thinking of, of myself and cases where someone's spoken into me yeah. where I felt fully confident in what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I, no, I got it. Yeah. I know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. Thank you for your concern, 
but I've got this under control. Yes. And they're just sitting there waiting with a bag of popcorn. Yeah. Like, it's about to go down. Yeah. I, funny story. Uh, last week, I was doing batting cage practice with the team. So I coach my son's baseball team. And there's one little girl, the only little girl in our on our team. Her dad is also a coach for his son's team, and he's in 10U, so it's a few years you know, older. And I'm working on the fundamentals of, like, being on the back leg for all that power coming out and using the hips to... Mm-hmm. you know, to create that tension. So like batting mechanics. Yeah. And uh, there's only one kid on our team that can like actually lift his leg and hit correctly with getting off his posture and getting back into position. Well, this little girl, I raised the T up so that I can have her focus on going up and getting that motion and body mechanics and, you know, taking the bat through, through the swing, right? And the dad was like, hey, coach, that that tee's a little high. You should bring it down. She's used to being, you know, lower. And my automatic response was, I got it, bro. And then I had to take a minute for just a second and be like, <laughs> this is like a six-year-old, or not even, she's like a five-year-old little girl. Her dad's been working with her on this. All right. So she's been doing it on a lower. Okay, let's try that, you know? And so uh, it was it was really difficult for me in the moment to like just suck down my pride because you know I was trying to show her the way that I wanted for it to be done but I wanted to honor her dad as well and uh and so after you know I I came up to him and I was like hey man you know I no wasn't trying to be uh aggressive or like telling you your way wasn't right just what my goal was and I was explaining it to him and he was like oh okay cool um and here we are the first one for the day. I don't know where the heck I was going with that. There's a specific reason. Um, when you're telling people, sometimes you just need to let them hit the wall. But we also oh. need to be aware, like, when someone's telling us. He didn't know me, but he was watching me hit the wall, basically, as well as coming down to. And uh, at, So he's probably thinking, I've been working with my daughter all week, mm-hmm. and I put the tea at a certain height, mm-hmm. and I know, I know what she's been working on. Yep. And... He tried to share that, communicate that with you. Yeah. And you may have been a little dismissive and yep. said, no, I got it. He's like, all right, well, I'm going to let him. And he did. I'm going to let him figure out that we've been working on it this other way and she, it doesn't work that way for her. Yeah, yeah I do that often. I think that's why we need to walk with each other because I think we all do that often. Oh, yeah. We all, and that's where we learn about grace too. You know, where we, we said something to our friend and they go and do that thing. Or, let me flip it around. A friend told me not to do something or gave me wise counsel. And then I go do that stupid thing, put myself in a situation where now I need healing and comfort and restoration and stuff. Well... They also have an opportunity to learn about grace because they could say, well, forget you, man. I told you not to do it. Mm. Or they can take an attitude, which my friends have done, and they're like, they keep it to themselves. Like, even though I told you, I'm not going to say I told you so. Right. I'm just going to come alongside you and help you learn from this and help you walk through this and walk past this. 
or walk through this, this thing. I'm going to help, help you get back on your feet or recover from whatever this thing was that, that you just did that I told you not to do. Because that takes grace, too. Because think about how frustrating that is. Oh. We see somebody doing something stupid. To you, it's obviously stupid. Yeah. To you, it's, you see, it's like, that's going to be pain. Don't do it. And they go do it. And you told them not to do it. Yeah. Now, it would be very easy for us to have an attitude and say, you know what, dude? I don't even want to talk to you. Yeah. I, don't, don't come crying to me because, no, but. We have an opportunity to show grace and say, look, all right, what happened? Let's walk through it. I have two friends that are very much the, I told you not to do it, dumbass. <laughs> you did it, and I told you not to. But I love you, and... We're going to figure this out. We're going to figure it out together. Yeah. And you should have done what I told you the first time, but, you know, and, and, I, and I love them for that. Yeah, because they're and I, you know, there's vulnerability. There's there's that there's that trust there, so we're able to have those conversations. But, um, but yeah, I have a, I have I have a, two friends that I can think of right now that are really good at that, which I'm not afraid to say who they are because they they'll listen to the podcast and laugh. Jack and Robert, <laughs> love you guys. Yeah, I. Uh, I guess we can't say this enough, which is, it's this, I mean, this conversation, this topic is really tying the pieces together on why we need community. Uh, and, and more importantly, why we need Jesus every single day. I took that one from you. Um, but it's true. I was on the way here as I was processing what we talked about earlier. I just started singing... Um, I need you. I need you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I need you. Uh, and it's just, it was just a moment of worship for me and a realization of how often we don't call out to God in the moments of need. And it's always until hmm. where I've, I've done this in my past where it's like, okay, things have gotten that bad. Where I'm like, oh, God, okay, what, 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 can you step in? Intervene now because I'm like... I wasn't listening to you before and now everything's screwed up and come quickly, you know, uh, this time today was not that it was more of just like, Hey, I'm having this certain feeling and I just need to sing. I need you. Mm -hmm. Like I, and this was my call for him to meet me where I was at or the opposite meet him where he's at. Yeah. I just thought about the quote, you know, you were talking about Stu at the beginning, find where God's moving and go there. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah, that requires a relationship. It requires community. Um. So there's another thing that maybe maybe this is obvious, but uh, if if I had a friend like you and I can we can speak into each other's lives. We have that. We've we've spent time together. Yeah. We've had long conversations together. We've had hard conversations together. We've been walking through stuff together. So if you say something, there's a weight to it. For me, there's a weight to it and there's a power to it. Yeah. And I will receive what you say. Um, but that's come, it, I don't think it would have been that way the first two weeks we met. 
there wasn't there there's a there's a trust there's a sense of caring there's a sense of you know wanting the best for the other person there's a sense of uh commitment to hey we're walking together we're we're brothers in Christ and we're 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 going to walk together to try to follow Jesus yeah. we're in this friendship that, that we feel God has has orchestrated um and there's a consistency so there's a consistency there's a depth there's a regularity to to when we talk and all, all these things what what are those things those things that uh Dr. Scott Walker talks about with regards to sleep it's a and I remember thinking this applies to to relationships too. Oh, I love this. It's um, depth in order for effective sleep, but this applies to relationships too. There's got to be depth, duration, um, continuity, and regularity. And those things all apply to, to personal relationships. So in order for me to trust someone, I have to have spent some time with them. I remember... Uh, yeah, when I went through Catalyst, the first one, at the end of our Catalyst session, there would always be this moment where it's like, you know, the person leading would ask, is there anything anybody needs any prayer for? And that whole first Catalyst session, oh, I said stuff, but it was really unimportant, stupid yeah. little stuff like, oh, yeah, yeah, my boss frustrated me at work or this person, traffic or just something real superficial yeah. to make it look like, oh, I'm participating in this. <laughs> But I'm not really participating because because I don't sure. trust I don't trust these people I don't know them yet I haven't known them long enough like I don't know if they're going to be here next six months from now or a year from now, but when you know that someone's going to be there, and they've they've shown their consistency and they've they've done things to cultivate trust in a relationship, well then there was a time where further into that process they asked the same question, hey so what's going on? You need prayer for anything. And there was a moment where I realized, oh, I can trust. I'm in a safe place. Yeah. I've been I've been made to feel safe, seen, and loved in this place. So when they, they ask, how are you doing? Is there something we can pray for you? I felt safe to share that. Um, well, I think... I don't think I know. The same thing applies with our relationship to God. If we're not spending time with him, if we're if there's not depth, duration, continuity and regularity, this is why we don't trust God. Cuz we're not spending time with him. Yeah. We're not conversing with him on a regular basis sometimes. Yeah. We're not putting that time in that's required to cultivate a relationship. Now, God, on his end, everything's perfect. He's good. He's faithful. He's constant. But we don't do our part to establish that consistency. So the problem with trust, it's all on our end. Because we're not putting that time in with him. And we're not, um, we don't have enough face time with him. Or we're just sharing and just talking and asking and listening. But I think over time, the more time we spend with him, the more we learn to trust him, the more we learn to hear his voice, the more we learn that that he's unchanging, that he's faithful, that he loves us, that he cares for us. But in order to, to, to learn those things, like really learn them, 
we need to cling to him. We need to, to be spending time with him to, to cultivate those feelings of trust. So one thing we could ask is in what way are you exercising depth, duration, continuity, and regularity in your relationship with God? How are you walking those four things out? Yeah. Depth is like, are you sharing everything with them? The, your fear, your doubt, like the hard things. Duration. You're spending significant amount of time with them. Um, continuity is the one that was a little, little, little more complex. Not, not very, but a little more nuanced. Sure. Continuity is, um, the time that we're spending with him, is it long segments of time? Like if I say within a given day, well, I spent, I spent an hour with God. But it was 61 minute detached <laughs> moments. They're not contiguous. They're not back to back. That's why continuity is important. Like I could say, well, you know, I spent a lot of time with God because I, I pray before every meal mm. or I pray when I go to sleep. But continuity is like, are we spending significant chunks of time? Yeah. And those significant chunks of time, it's not duration necessarily because then duration is the, the sum of all those chunks of time. Yeah. And then there's regularity. So depth, duration, continuity, and then regularity. Like, are, is this something, the time that we're spending with him is... Is this something we're doing on a regular basis? What does that look like? Interesting. When you, were, when you mentioned continuity, my mind went to business continuity, which is typically safety. Mm. But it, it's important because I think it relates. I mean, if you have that relationship with him, you're going to feel safe in him. Mm-hmm. But that requires duration of time spent with him, right? Yeah. Yeah, when I, when I, I was watching him interviewed, he was interviewed by... Uh, I can't remember. It was another um, another scientist that was interviewing him. And he said, depth, duration, continuity, and regularity. And immediately I thought, that's, that's, what healthy, that's what's required for a healthy relationship. And the most re- important relationship in any of our lives is going to be our relationship with God, with yeah. our Savior. Amen. Um, so what are we doing there? So I did have, I did have an action item. I sure. thought earlier. Yeah. And it's kind of kind of tough. And I, I said it earlier, but I'll say it again because it just, man, I just felt it. Can we do more to show people who we are and less telling them who we are? Let's spend more time showing them who we are and spend less time telling them who we are. That's tough, but needed. If, if you're a follower of Jesus then show people you're a follower of Jesus. Yeah, it's good. Don't tell them you're a follower of Jesus. Yeah. If you love Jesus, show them you love Jesus. Don't tell them. And there was something, um, it's not about putting on an act or, you know, making a production. There was something that you shared this morning when we met with Stu that I thought was so good. And it was about... um, I think it was about the way Briley was interacting with you. Mm-hmm. 
She was doing something just being really warm and tender and sweet. And my comment when you, when you shared that was, it feels like you are doing things that show that you love Jesus and they're impacting her in her in impacting her in a way that it's causing her to to respond a certain way. And what I loved about that is there's certain things I think you're allowing Jesus and your walk with him to influence you in such a way that certain behaviors, certain parts of your character and certain parts of your behavior are changing. Mm. And that's affecting your kids. Yeah. And now they're behaving differently towards you. Yep. And what I loved about that is you may not, in the moment, you may not even know what those are. It's not don't. like you're going down a checklist. Yeah. But you're being changed. Yeah. And I think that's that's the, the, the tricky thing about, you know, saying show them. And, well, it's tempting to say, okay, how am I going to show them? Am I going to do this, this, this? Because then it becomes like a performance, right? Like, yeah. oh, I'm doing these things to show people. Yeah. That's not what this is about. This is deeper than that. At its core, it's like, well, when you spend more time with him, you spend more time with his, in his word, you spend more time trusting and worshiping and, and sitting at his feet. Your character will be changed. And there will be changes that happen in you that, that you, you may not immediately be actively aware of mm. that affect other people. And I think that's, that's where, I think, that's where I strive to be is like to be so close to Jesus that my character is being changed, whether or not I'm conscious of it, immediately, because sometimes when we notice, it's like we get a little prideful. It's like, oh man, I'm doing better there. Just, I'm, I'm better, man. I'm, I'm doing good here. But isn't it a beautiful thing when you see someone doing this selfless, loving, caring, righteous, just things? When you see someone whose character and integrity and love for others just shines through them. And for them, they're not even actively aware of it. They're just doing it. It's like, well, well, yeah, I mean, this is how I I am. I want to end on this thought real quick. I was watching a a clip of Steve Harvey and T.D. Jakes talking. And T.D. Jakes was talking about, he, he the topic was about like not knowing what's happening in the future because if you knew, then it doesn't require faith. But at the end of the clip, he talks about, we, he was like, basically, I feel like God doesn't tell us that we're, we're doing well and our hearts changing because pride. Because the human condition is to take the the applause on ourselves and not put it back to God where the change is happening with him. And for this, what you're talking about in this moment, for me not to, to see it prior to you calling out the mm-hmm. change that's happening in me and for my kids, uh, I think it's I think it's really important for me to know that this is why I don't give up. This is why I continue pushing through. This is why I continue showing up intentionally with God in my quiet time with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and to what, what you just said and what, and kind of reconfirm what T.D. Jakes was saying is 
yeah, it makes sense why we don't know why or that we don't feel like change is happening in the moment because then that requires or that could potentially put us in a position of pride of our works hmm. and not what God is doing. And I think I think it's an individual thing. I think God knows our hearts. Yeah. And he knows if if your heart can bear encouragement without being prideful. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. I think God knows I just want to I just want to share with my child, my son or my daughter that I'm pleased with what they're doing here and I want to encourage and love them. And he knows the state of the heart of that child and he knows if they can bear that. Yeah. Where in some cases, I don't know, maybe it's like uh, yeah. Yeah, it's that it's that again that that Latin culture thing uh where some often uh, parents would withhold praise, mm-hmm. and the way that the term that was used was uh, when parents would withhold praise from a child bec- when the child does something exceptionally well or does something really good. Uh, yeah, there wasn't any positive reinforcement. the The mentality was you withheld praise, and the phrase that was common was "No le quieres dar alas a tu hijo." And what that literally translates to is you don't want to give your son wings. Mm. You don't want to puff them up. You may recognize that they're doing something good. You may recognize that that there's something worthy of praise, but you don't want to uh, to risk feeding pride. So what happens is you withhold praise. Well, always withholding praise is not necessarily a good thing either. Right. I think often that's why you have kids that they crave approval. That's why I think we experience a lot of times performance-based acceptance. Mm. A lot of us doing things and craving that approval, craving that that acceptance and continuing to perform until we get that acceptance because we never got it. But I think each case is individual. I think, you know, I think it's it's a very it's a very personal thing like if you know that child or you know the person and you feel like they're at a level of maturity and they're at a level of humility where um, praising them or affirming them or encouraging them is actually going to boost boost them up in a good way, is going gonna, is gonna to feed their spirit and encourage them and bring them joy. Yeah. That's different. Sure. But it, it has to do with the state of that individual and knowing them well enough. And God knows us well enough to know, you know, what the effect is going to be. So true. So good. All right. Man. That application is good. So let's spend more time showing them who we are and less time telling them who we are. Well, this is a short one, (laughs) y'all. We're going to end here, but uh, we'll be back next week. All righty. See you later. Later.